Welcome to the Living the Dream podcast with Curveball. If you believe, you can achieve. Welcome to the Living the Dream with Curveball podcast, a show where I interview guests that teach, motivate, and inspire. Today, we're going to be talking about grief as I am joined by life and grief coach C.C. O'Shaughnessy. C.C. knows all too well about grief because a couple of months apart, she lost her mother and her husband. So we're going to be talking to her about what she did and how she was able to get through it and give other people tips that might be going through their own grief out there. So, C.C., thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me and creating a platform to talk about this hard but very important topic. Well, why don't you start off by just telling everybody a little bit about yourself? Sure. So I am a certified life coach and I specialize in grief as well as conscious parenting. I have a practice right outside of Boston. I do one-on-one coaching as well as group coaching. And my story kind of as to how I got to where I am right now is... March of 2020, when the world was turning upside down, I was kind of having my own world turned upside down in a room in Miami, Florida. My mom had been diagnosed with cancer about eight years before. So to some extent, I knew that it was going to happen. But, you know, like those going through grief, you're never ready for it. She died in my arms. She took her last breath in my arms. I had one arm around her neck and the other arm around her stomach. And uh, I whispered softly into her ear that she had put everything into us and that it was time for her to be at peace and rest. And literally minutes within me telling her that she took her last breath. What came after that was pain that I had never felt before. There was deep sorrow. There was loneliness. There was anger. uh, There was some sense of denial. I almost wanted the world to stop. You know, I had said to my sister that night, I'm like, how can people go on? How can the news be on? How can people go to work tomorrow? Don't they know that this amazing human being is no longer with us? And so, you know, between dealing with logistics, you know, which people don't really talk about, actually, you know, when people pass away, the amount of logistics, things that come up, and then just grieving and really being in, in pain and, and in sorrow. I was in Miami at the time because I knew that, that my mom was going through a hard time. So I had moved my family from Boston to Miami to kind of spend the last few months with her and help my father in the transition. During that time, you know, after about six weeks of being there, my husband had gone back to Boston to pack us up and finish the move. And on his last stop, Going, coming down to Miami, he took his own life in a hotel room by himself. I remember that conversation perfectly. I mean, if it, like if it was yesterday, my brother-in-law called me and, you know, he said, it's Mark. And I said, where is he? I'll go get him. I thought that he had gotten into a fight or, you know, had gotten arrested. I knew by the tone that it was something bad. Uh, but what followed was utter destruction of my my soul and my heart and uh, he said he did it by his own hand 
I was in denial. I was in disbelief. I wanted to see the records. I wanted to see that, you know, that there was proof of it because I just didn't, I couldn't believe it. In a million years, I, I could not, it was just so hard to fathom. And that's one of the things about suicide that I've learned now is that you can't fathom the unfathomable. It's just your brain has such a hard time wrapping around the idea of it, which makes it you know so much more complicated and hard to process. So within two months, I experienced the two people that were the closest to me that were supposed to be, you know, my greatest supporters, protectors that were my, you know, my, my team. I had lost them both. And, you know, com- grief is pain associated with loss and complicated grief happens. A suicide is considered complicated grief as well as two, losing two people within a short amount of time that you have a close connection with is considered complicated grief. So I had a compounded complicated grief in a short amount of time. And I remember so vividly, it was about three months after my, my husband had passed away. I remember sitting you know, by myself in, in a room and saying, your life has two very different paths that it can go from right now and right here. You can become a victim of what's happened to you and nobody would judge you and nobody would question you because of how hard, you know, things that, that life has, has brought. Or you can learn from this and grow from this and handle it in a very conscious way and turn your pain into power and turn this tragedy into triumph and be an example for your children. And it was in that moment that I decided that, I wasn't going to lose myself and that I was going to use this to actually find out who I really was and what I was made of. And that began my journey into um, really into myself, into the inner work of self-reflection of, you know, really allowing myself to feel the pain and the hardship, knowing that I was going to be able to move through it, reading the books, taking the classes, joined so many Bereavement groups, especially suicide bereavement groups, were extremely helpful. And as I learned more and more, and I was able to see my own journey coming, you know, changing how I was grieving and processing it, you know, I, I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to learn how to do this and help other people as well. And it was a parallel path. You know, I got certified as a grief educator and I got certified as conscious parenting um, practitioner. And I'm also certified in spiritual psychology. And I think it was the parallel path, having the education and actually practicing what I was learning to really integrate it into myself and know that I was going to be able to help other people going through the same, the same hardships that I had gone through. So let me just ask, how are you able to tell that story? And and I know that it is emotional, but how are you able to tell it without actually showing that emotion? I, I mean, you're, you're able to just calmly tell that story of losing, like you say, your team in a couple of months, just a couple of years ago. Yeah, I think that the reason why I can articulate it the way that I can is because I have processed it so much in so many different ways. I've processed it psychologically. I've processed it mentally. And for me, the most important thing is I've made peace with it spiritually. And I think that 
I today I am at a place where um, I understand the impermanence of life. I know that we all have a day that we came in and a day that we, you know, that we leave earth. And who am I to judge when is the right and wrong time for someone? You know, it is a part of life and being able to accept that and, and really live it allows me to, to speak about them from a place of peace versus anger. And that's not to say that I don't have my moments. I definitely do, but I welcome them with grace. Now I welcome them. I, you know, when I hear a song or I, I smell something that reminds me of my mom or, you know, even the other day I was just at a four way stop sign where I remember my husband making a joke, you know, in that, in that exact spot and all comes right back. Grief is not, you don't begin and end it. There's no, there's no, you know, there's no ending to when you are going to feel the people that you love because love does not die with them. The love and lives inside of you. And so part of being at peace with being able to, you know, to speak about it is knowing that those moments are going to come, not making them wrong, not making myself wrong or asking, you know, why I'm back here or, you know, a lot of people get stuck in saying, oh, I thought I had already gone through this. I thought I processed this. No, it comes back. And the signs really that, that you've grieved consciously, which is, you know, what I call it, what I tell my clients is that when the moments come, you receive them with love and grace and you look back on them fondly with gratitude. And, you know, that's, that's the state that I'm in right now is just really looking back and saying, I'm grateful that I had them for the time that I did. And, and, and that brings me peace. Well, let's switch gears just for a second. I heard you mention that conscious parenting. Explain to people what that is. So conscious parenting is really about the parent and not about the child. It focuses more on how the parent has, you know, reacts, responds, and is triggered by the child. And essentially, it has to do with raising ourselves as parents and processing our unhealed trauma and programs and belief systems so that we don't put that onto our own children. You know, one of the biggest reasons people come to to me for conscious parenting is, you know, I lost it on my child or was really triggered because they, you know, they just don't do what I say. And so the work really starts by, by investigating what the triggers are and what they represent for, for the parent. You know, one of the biggest things is control, right? We, we think that we're meant to control our children by saying, these are the rules in this house and you need to follow these rules. And if you don't follow these rules, you know, nobody likes to be told that as an adult, as a grown up, as a human being, our worst fear is being controlled. Our, our biggest, you know, biggest sense of when we feel alive is when we feel our freedom. And so understanding your child's humanity by being able to process that you're being triggered because there's wounds inside of you that have, are not healed, you know, that you have this need to feel control over this other person when really you're just there to guide them and, and be almost on a parallel path with them, showing them love, letting them know that, you know, they are loved no matter what. So it's really bringing conscious awareness into the parenting realm and, and really parenting from a place of 
compassion and love versus discipline and rules and control. And a lot of that does have to do with going into our own backgrounds and healing our own generational trauma. Okay. So let's, <laughs> let's talk about the stages of grief. Tell people the different stages of grief and give people talk about what you did to get through the stages of grief and what you might be still doing today. Definitely. So the stages of grief, you know, according to textbooks are really denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. I want to say that the most important thing when we talk about stages of grief is that they are not linear by any means. There is no rule book. There is no, you know, Bible on it. There is no there's nothing that's going to tell you that this is how you're going to feel one day and this is how you're going to feel the next because how we grieve is so individual to our own fingerprint and has to do so much with how we actually see the world and our own personal perspective on life. So, you know, I say a lot to my clients, how you grieve is how you live. So if you have a mentality of saying, you know, everything happens to me, I can't believe this happened to me almost like that victim mentality, then you're going to bring that into how you grieve. And it's actually going to be a lot harder to move through the natural feelings that are occurring. If you have the belief system that the world is happening for me and that the universe is benevolent, that, you know, there, there's something to learn and grow from everything that you go through, then that's how you're going to grieve as well. So a lot of my coaching actually has to do with helping people release patterns, blocks, and beliefs that keep them stuck, that they come to me initially for the grief, but really it's just about how they live and how they see the world. And a lot of that, you know, is society, some of it is cultural, some of it is, you know, coming down from parents. But anytime that you find yourself in a place that, that is stuck, that you feel stuck, it's an invitation to really understand what's going on underneath and what are the patterns that are, that are preventing you from living the life that you want. So while I think that the stages of grief, those feelings, you know, those, those five depictions of grief are real, I do not think that they're linear. And I think that different people are going to be affected more by certain emotions and certain feelings than others. So if you struggle with anger, you know, before your loved one died, anger is going to be a really prominent emotion for you while you're grieving. And that's, that's going to be something that, you know, you're going to have to work through in order to get, to get to the other side. If depression was, was something that you struggled with before, it's going to be a lot, it's going to be activated for you. So grief, the reason why I think grief is so important is because it really is such a reflection to us of things that we need to take a look at. It's almost like a mirror for us of saying, this is actually who I am in all aspects of my life. And how can I use this loss? How can I use this pain? How can I use this suffering to really move through it, learn how to process that deep pain and sorrow and come out the other side and living a more intentional life. The pain, you know, is, is really one of the biggest areas that I work with my clients on because as children, we're not taught how to process our pain. We're not taught how to feel our pain. And we're actually 
a lot of the times told, oh, you know, stop crying or go up to your room or a child is having a temper tantrum. You know, it's like you're not allowed to feel your feelings. You don't say that directly, but by saying stop crying or you're overreacting or, you know, it's not that big of a deal when we're invalidating their feelings, we're literally teaching them that their pain is too big for us, that their pain, that they're not allowed to feel their pain. And so as a society, we grow up, you know, in that space. And so when we experience grief and loss, it all comes right back. It's like, what do I do with this pain? What do I do with this discomfort? And really such a huge part of grief is learning to sit with that pain and knowing and understanding that it's a part of life, just like joy is and sadness is, that that pain is 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 a part of you. It's, it's one of the parts that is so important to integrate and that emotions are energy in motion, right? So emotions come to us and they do, they want to move. They don't want to stay. They want to be able to come in, teach us whatever it is that we need to teach, which really usually has to do with acceptance and then let them, let them release. So, you know, there's so many different stages and emotions that, that go alongside of it. But I would say that, you know, anger and, and pain are really two of the biggest ones. And I do I do believe that acceptance, you know, is actually one of the first feelings when you start seeing yourself kind of moving through it and not getting stuck in it. Well, let's talk about surviving and thriving through grief. Some people survive, some people thrive. So tell us what the difference is and how people can go from surviving to thriving. Yeah, so I think the biggest difference is somebody that is surviving grief, and and I have so much compassion for anybody that's in this stage right now, is really just going through the motions. And um, the challenge becomes that usually when you're in a state of survival, your emotions will come out, will win. You know, there's a saying, something along the lines of what you don't manage will manage you. And I think that's relevant in your feelings because if you are not really processing the pain and you're just going on survival mode and survival mode really looks like numbing, disassociation, um, you know, saying that you're okay when you're not okay, really just going through the motions of life without participating in it. And again, it's very understandable, but also will prevent you from living your life in an intentional way and really being the driver of your ship, captain of your ship. So to move, you know, and then on the other side of that is thriving. And that really means you are, have the courage and compassion for yourself to allow yourself to feel the pain, to feel, you know, the sorrow knowing that it's not permanent, knowing that that has the power to move through you. And that on the other side of that is grace and love and acceptance. And that in that space, you know, you can look back on your loss and you can look back on, on your time with that person with gratitude and love and, and knowing that if you can make that transition from surviving to thriving, that you will be more self-aware 
you will be more self-enlightened. You will be more grounded in your life because you will know yourself in a way that is so intimate that you have no other choice but to use either, you know, your pain for, for, for growth and for, and for transformation. And I think, you know, I'm not saying it's easy and I'm not saying that it doesn't take, it takes a lot of courage and it takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of investment in yourself, but it is possible for everyone. Um, And I would say, you know, if there were three things that would kind of be the roadmap to moving from surviving to thriving, I would say number one is really being in a state of awareness when we are conscious, conscientious of what we are feeling, we then have the power to reprogram the story around what it is that we're feeling. In other words, when we're in grief and we are aware that we are really, really sad, then we have the power to say, okay, of course you're sad. This makes total sense that you're sad. You're feeling the loss of the person and you're feeling, you know, the secondary losses that come with primary losses. You know, for me, one of the biggest ones was the idea that my husband wasn't going to be there for my girls, you know, whether it was a wedding or a birthday or it's all these secondary losses, millions of secondary losses that you also have to grieve. And you give yourself permission to feel that and you give yourself permission to say, this is really hard and I'm really sad. And, um, and part of that awareness is really reaching out um, and having somebody validate that pain. And I think that's where grief coaches are great. Bereavement groups are great. If you have a good friend, you know, that, that is able to hold space for that kind of pain is great family, obviously, but really being in a state of awareness where you can say, this is how I feel and be in a space where you are held in a compassionate way and that your feelings are validated and seen. I would say that that's a big one. The other big one is a state of acceptance. So when first we become aware, we have our feelings validated and then we can move into a state of acceptance this happened. This didn't happen to me. This happened. People are born and people pass away every single day. And it's hard. And it is a part of life. It is almost like a part of our our contract. When we come in, there's going to be an exit date. And knowing, understanding, and accepting that impermanence of life is, is so huge for your own personal release. And I always say, you know, what you resist will persist. So that acceptance piece is really, really important in terms of saying, this is my, this is what is for me right now. And trying not to, you know, not making it wrong, not wanting to change it, and really releasing the idea that your life could have been any different because you don't have that power. So relinquishing that control over life and accepting that it is what it is, as painful as it is, it is also a part of life is is another, another big one. And I think when people move through awareness and acceptance, one of the bigger, you know, the, the last kind of piece is gratitude, gratitude and service, I would say, because when you're able to really process your feelings and move through the reality of what it is that you're going through and having that seen and validated, 
then you can come into a space where you look back and you say, thank you for my time. I'm so grateful that I had that time with this person and they will live on within me forever. You know, I don't people think people move on. I think we move forward with people, with our love. And, and that is just this just sense of peace that comes over you, you know, when you can, when you can reach that place. How was the inner work related to grief? Oh, yes. So the inner work is, is, is huge. I mean, the inner work is so important. So I study under David Kessler and he kind of explains that grief is like a river and the river, you know, naturally will go down the, uh, its path. Sometimes there are branches or objects that create yetis inside the river. And where the inner work is so important is really when we are in our stream of grief and we find ourselves stuck and we find ourselves in that yeti circling back, having a hard time, you know, moving forward, having a hard time doing tasks and and really living, having a hard time living the life that we want for ourselves. Then we start with the inner work. And I will tell you, Curtis, nine times out of 10, Everybody has inner work to do. It's very rare that somebody can, you know, go through grief seamlessly without experiencing one of those yetis. Um, And so the inner work comes when you find yourself in that yeti where you're going, you're circling and you're circling. And then the inner work is really an invitation to reflect on the patterns and beliefs that you are having that are creating these yetis, this self-sabotage that's going on with you. And the inner work has to do, one of the biggest parts of it is really getting quiet with yourself and uh, learning how to be really, really present with yourself and living in the moment and saying, you know, with what I'm feeling, what has to do with something that happened in the past or repression of emotions, which is, usually, you know, depression is repressed emotions or fear of the future, you know, and that's anxiety, you know, so really doing the inner work is getting very still reflecting on yourself psychologically, mentally, and and spiritually, and saying, asking yourself those really, really hard questions, looking at your shadows, you know, finding the places that, that you have shame around, or that, you know, that you regret, or that you have guilt, or those really big emotions that keep us stuck and keep us from living the life that we want to live. And then we go into um, re- reprogramming the mind around those events. So, you know, an example of inner work is a client comes to me and is having a hard time, is so scared of their child being bullied at school. Very rational, right? But for her, it's almost, it's triggering like this, this anxiety and this fear where she's not sleeping and she's having heart palpitations. And so we start identifying Number one, what happened to her around the age that, you know, her child was having a hard time? What are her thoughts and beliefs around being bullied and really coming into the fear? What are her fears, you know, that, that her child's not going to be able to handle it or that her child's going to turn into, you know, somebody, somebody else or have a hard time or whatever it is that the fear is. And then we literally take her back into her own childhood where she started feeling those feelings and we heal that and we ask the grown-up self to come in, and that's inner child work, the grown-up self to come in and, and see the younger self and say, you know, 
you're safe now and I have your back and we can move through this. And that's a parenting example, but um, it happens in grief all the time. And some of the biggest triggers for grief are abandonment, you know, a sense of control that we've, we've lost all control in the world. Um, it's, you know, being left, you know, along the lines of, of that abandonment and really the fear that we can't go on the fear that we don't have what it takes internally to be able to move on with this pain and, and, and all of that. So it's really reprogramming the mind to, to heal and move forward from a place of, um, of compassion, self-compassion and love for themselves. Do you have any current or upcoming projects that you're working on that people need to know about? So right now I'm focusing um, on my practice. I'm focusing on, you know, getting my word out through podcasts and I am looking into some speaking engagements. So that's kind of the space that I'm going to be moving into, but I don't have any set dates right now. Well, throw out your contact information, website, social media, so people can stay connected with you and see what you got going on. Yeah, absolutely. My website is www.ccbcoaching.com. And um, there you can find my information on my social media um, posts and and platforms and, and all the things and any programs that I have will be posted there too. And Anybody can reach out, you know, if, if they're needing help, I can also offer resources, books that have helped me on my own journey and I, I hope can help others too. Well, close us out with some final thoughts. Final thoughts are if you are someone that is going through grief right now and you find yourself in a, in a dark place, know that you're not alone, that there are other people that are feeling the same depth of feelings and that. I promise you, if you commit to doing the inner work and seeing grief as, as a, in a conscious way, processing conscious grief, that you can be captain of your own ship and that you have a sense of control over the outcome of what has happened in your life. You can thrive. You can make the loss of somebody that you love be the most transformational thing that will ever happen to you. And that is the biggest legacy that they could ever leave. And give out your website one more time. The website is www.cc, which is S-I-S-S-I-B-coaching.com. All right, ccbcoaching.com. Ladies and gentlemen, be sure to check everything that CC is up to. And also be sure to follow, rate, review, share this episode after listening. Android listeners, go to the Google Play Store and download the Living the Dream with Curveball podcast app. And I am also proud to announce that the Living the Dream with Curveball podcast is now a part of the Podbreed Network. So you can download that Podbreed Network app from the App Store or go to podbreed.com and check me out there along with all the other wonderful shows on the network. Cece, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. For more information on the Living the Dream podcast, visit www.djcurveball.com. Until next time, stay focused on living the dream. Dream.